Welcome back to the Nuggets of Gold podcast and YouTube channel. Today, we're going to be talking about Trey Lance and going over his debut. Uh, to start it off, I think he looked pretty good. I think the biggest takeaway of the whole thing is we've talked about these tools that he has, you know, his ability to make every single throw in the field. And we've, I mean, we've heard about it in training camp, but this was the first time we've seen him go on an NFL field and display that. I mean, you saw the 80-yard bomb to Trent Sherfield. Obviously, that's the big throw. Um, the other, I think, I think his best throw of the day, though, besides that one, was it was third and ten or third and eleven. It, they were coming down the opposite way as when they went down the field to Sherfield, and Jimmy throws a dot on a, about a ten to twelve yard out to Richie James. Perfect throw, hits him in the hands. Richie James fumbles over it, and they have to end up punting. That was an absolute dot, and that play right there is what this offense has been missing when Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins or, or really whoever in the Kyle Shannon era has been under center. Um, but we saw a full display of that. This dude is able to make every single throw in the field. Now, it wasn't like his first performance was, you know, immaculate or like amazing or anything. Overall, you look at the numbers, he went 5 of 14. Now, that's kind of skewed. On one end, there were two screen passes that he threw that were completed, but they were they were basically ruled runs because they were behind the line of scrimmage. So you don't count those in. Um and then also the three drops, um, two to guys that I think probably won't make the roster. And then Brandon Ayuk had a, an unusual drop for him. Um, but overall, I mean, Trey Lance really flashed the tools. Now, I think the biggest thing I was a little bit concerned about was his his pocket presence wasn't amazing. And he even came out and said, like, I think th some of those sacks from me because he took four sacks. But anyone that was watching was seeing the second unit of the offensive line get absolutely cooked. Um, we saw Aaron Banks miss a couple plays. We saw uh, Brunskill miss one. Uh, Jalen Moore, who's kind of competing for that swing tackle, he missed one. And I thought the rookies actually, the rookie offensive lineman actually did good. But that second unit as a whole did not do very good. There was a couple times where there was miscommunication across the edge. Um, on one of them, you see that Trey Lance wants to get the ball out. And a guy beats, I think it was the center, gets beat. And there's a free edge rusher coming off the left. And this was about a third and four. And he sees the guy open. He goes to throw it. And he, and he has to hold it because if he throws it, it's, there's a very good chance it gets tipped or intercepted, or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, but we saw him. I don't think he was really rattled, but he was running for his life. Um, but when the offense was clicking, when it was, you know, the Kyle Shanahan offense that we've we've seen over the last few years, he looked so comfortable in it. When he runs the bootleg, when he sits back and then he adjusts and he moves around in the pocket. Aiden, we were talking about it before. His ability to extend the play and keep looking downfield, like on the Brandon Ayuk play. Um, like, it was amazing. It, that that was the biggest thing, and that's the thing that the 49ers have not had a quarterback under Kyle Shanahan, and that's that's something that Kyle's never really had. I mean, you could kind of go back to RG three to talk about that, but throughout Kyle Shanahan's you know head coaching career, that this has definitely not been a guy that he's had. So overall, I was really really happy with the outing. Now, was it perfect? No, that's going to happen when it's a rookie quarterback who's younger than me going out there competing. You know, against that against mostly uh, not completely, but Early on, it was the second unit for the most part for the Niners against a lot of the first unit for the Chiefs. And I mean, you, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna, you saw like the the difference in a uh, in skill set on the lines early on. But overall, I liked it. Aiden, what were your thoughts on on Trey Lance's debut? Yeah, I think it comes back to two two main things. Um, everybody saw the 80 yard touchdown. I think everybody can probably agree Jimmy is not making that throw. Kyle's probably not calling that play. Um, that says more to me than anything else. Jimmy was three for three, but his passes traveled a, a total of four air yards. Um, 
And I think you, and, and I think that we talked about it before, Lance's was something like 10 or, or 11 um, average, which is a stark difference from what, 1.3. Um, so super duper different. But the biggest takeaway for me is Kyle did not a single design run for, for Trey Lance. Um, that's something that I think everybody expects to see more of going forward. Maybe not in the preseason really at all. Um, because you don't want to really show your hand and think about um, let let defenses plan, especially before week one. Uh, but that's something that will slow down the pass rush and is a, a huge reason why Lance w- was even drafted because he's such a good runner of, of the football. Um, and people worried about the Niners' offensive line. Keep in mind, we didn't start the, the, the two veterans and the guy who's maybe the best tackle in, in the entire league. Um, that'll make the offensive line better, but I will totally agree. Lance was running for his life a little bit, but I was super impressed to see, especially on that first drive, we'd seen some, we'd, we'd heard some, some training camp stuff on, on how he, he took sacks. Um, but he, he fired a, a laser to IU, which was dropped. Um, but I was impressed with the fact that he kept his eyes downfield and made a good throw should have been a first down. Um, and he didn't look to, to just run it, even though he probably could have, um, and would have been exciting to see it happen. But uh, those were the three things that, that stood out to me the most. Yeah, and one thing I noticed is that he he was he hesitated a little bit. Like, there were some throws that were there, and he didn't quite, like, you know, th- like let it rip. Um, I think as he gets more comfortable, as, you know, he has an offensive line that's protecting him better. Because a lot of the time, like, that we saw him, it was, like, quick hurry up offense. Like, all right, let's get, like, in kind of like almost like a chaotic offense, like not what you're going to see with Kyle. You mentioned no design runs. You start throwing in a couple design runs every drive, and the defensive looks are they're, they're going to have to be way different. And it was pretty clear that they want to see Trey Lance kind of you know face a little bit of adversity in this game. And they tossed him out there with the second the second um, offensive line unit. And I don't think he was rattled, but he didn't have time. And it was there was a lot more like on his play, like all right, dude, go make these plays you know, show us what you got kind of, um, which I love. I think that's a perfect way to do it because when he gets, say, say he starts week one, they're going to run the ball probably eight to 12 times a game with him. I think I, I would probably guess a more, probably closer to eight, but you start throwing a couple runs like that in it. The defensive looks are not going to be the same. Also the 49ers were trying to move the ball with him. They weren't trying to go out there and run the ball and run their normal offense. Like that was pretty clear. Um, now when we saw Jimmy come in, it looked like the offense that we saw last year where, you know, there's jet skirt, like jet plays and like stuff around the line of scrimmage, you know, quick passes to Debo. Um, but I, I mean, when, when Lance was there, it wasn't really like that. So I think that was one of the big things I will say there was one play where Lance completely missed. I believe as you, I think it was the nickel corner. He came in shallow and he popped up and he almost got an interception. That was probably the worst throw of the day from Lance. Um, he also missed a couple of throws across the middle. One of them was misplayed by Richie James, sort of. It was it was a little bit hard to tell, but I think overall, I mean, I, I was really I was really happy. Um, you brought up how you know he tries to extend the play, and when he's when he's like running around the line of scrimmage, like out of the pocket, he's looking downfield. That was one of my favorite things that he did at North Dakota because people would always go, "Oh, this guy's a running back. This guy's a running back," and I never understood it because he does not try to just take off and run with the football. Like he is a he's a quarterback. He's very obviously a quarterback. He has the mindset of I'm going to stay behind the line of scrimmage. And let, let's think of some guys in the league that we've seen do that. I think the biggest guy you can bring up is Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson has made a career of extending plays for like 15 seconds behind the line of scrimmage, 
where if you're like for us Niner fans, if you're watching Russell Wilson, it gets so aggravating when he makes your defensive line miss and miss and miss. And the first time he drops back and and you know has that play with to Ayuk, you see it. You see it on full display. A defensive lineman gets kind of around him. He sidesteps him, gets away, and then rolls out and he delivers a strike on third down that should have been completed and should have extended the drive. So I think we saw like the the perfect uh kind of the stuff that we would want to be like want to be proven almost in week one of preseason. Now it's only week one of preseason. We saw 14 passes thrown. Like it's it's a very small sample size. But if you just look at the box score and you go five of 14, oh, this dude struggled outside of an 80-yard bomb to Trent Sherfield. Well, three drops, a couple screen passes that weren't included in that number, and he is literally running for his life. Like that's not what the offense is going to look like. They run a very downhill offense where it's about running the football, running the play action. And when they were running a lot of those play action plays, it, it looked like bread and butter. It was perfect. It was exactly what you'd expect you like the prototypical Kyle Shanahan offense to look like. So I loved it. I'm really excited. I, I cannot wait until next week. Um, also, I don't know if you, if you know about this, Aiden, but they're having joint practices with the chargers. So I think you're going to hear a lot about like, okay, where are they at with that? Because you're going to see him probably go against the chargers ones and twos a good amount. Um, and that's just a more looks, you know, more looks you see with Trey Lance, the better he's going to get. Um, he even said, kind of came out and said like he wasn't very pleased with his performance, um, which I mean, I, I liked it, like I said, um, but it's good to see like that he, you know, he's not comfortable going out there and taking the four sacks. He said that he felt like he could, you know, shouldn't have took those. Um, other thing I'd like to say, if that's how he's going to play early on, where he's going to be not be super aggressive in terms of like letting it rip when he's not comfortable. I'd rather him do that than go out there and start forcing passes left and right. Cause what we've seen, especially with, with the 49ers and with Cal's offense is that turnovers have absolutely killed them in the years that they've struggled last year. They what, had 31 turnovers. That's, that's horrible. You know, like that's the difference in a lot of these losses. Um, and even last year when they struggled most of the season, you look at it and you go, they were in most of those games. And then it was third, fourth quarter where Nick Mullins just kind of started throwing it up. And you saw like, especially the Eagles game where it was like a pick six. You're like, Oh my gosh, like this is terrible. But if Trey Lance is going to hang on to the football, if he's going to be safe and you have that explosive playability with him, because that is very clear that's the case. The offense looks different. They're able to go there and do a lot more when he's on the field. Um, I think that's all you can ask for week one. So I was overall I was very impressed. But Aiden, anything else you kind of want to touch up on? A uh, quick shout out to Nick Mullins in his first preseason game. He went one of four for, for two picks. Um, love having this guy off of the roster. And yeah, I think you, you hit it right on the head. Lance in Lance was super impressive, but he, he was honest. He could be, be better. Um, I think you, you bring up a good point about the joint practices. The, the chargers have a good defense um, and it'll be interesting to see him play excited to see the, the by play between the Bosa brothers. Uh, maybe Nick can convince Joey to demand a trade or something like that. Uh, but yes, yeah, super excited and really want to see more of, of Trey Lance, especially running the ball. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to do it for this segment. And we're going to be talking more about this preseason game and just 49er stuff as the week goes on. We are going to be talking about the top defensive performers of this first preseason week. Um, I had four guys that I kind of highlighted, guys I thought looked really good. Those four, Arden Key, Jonas Griffith, Talanoa Hufanga, also known as Huff, that's what they call him, um, Diamondor Lenore, 
Um, those are the four guys for me. I think the biggest guy that I was, I don't know if I'd say not expecting to flash because he has had really good training, like a really good training camp, but it was Arden Key. Arden Key looked really fast, really strong. He's also a, a pretty big guy uh, coming around the edge. He looked like an amazing, an amazing depth piece for this team. Um, and we've talked about, you know, how great the 49ers defensive line is. I think everyone realizes that this is, I mean, this is a deeper line than the Niners had in 2019. It's not as top heavy. I mean, you're missing Buck. That's the big, the big guy you're missing. But Arden Key looks like he can be an, a fantastic rotational edge piece. Aiden, you kind of alluded that he could have almost like a Kerry Hyder type role. I will say. Arden Key's physical traits are a lot better than Kerry Hyder. Now, Kerry Hyder is a better technician, but Arden Key was, you know, he came out of, it was a third round. I know he went to LSU. I think it was the third round. He had some first round hype when he was coming out of LSU. And he's one of those guys that he could be a late bloomer. So what are your thoughts on Arden Key? Did you like what you saw? And do you think that he's almost kind of locked in as this, like after, you know, Ford Armstead and, and Bosa, is he that next guy off the bench for this team? Uh, yeah, I I would think so. And say say uh, D Ford is is going to um, have some some sort of setback. I think he's the guy who's going to do that that D Ford role more than like a guy like Ebucan. I think that they have some different plans for him. Um, but yeah, he was super impressive coming out of college. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he had to take a year off um, when when he was first gonna come out. He was thought to be like a top ten pick. Um, but then he had to take a year off because of some, some off-field stuff that ended up being marijuana and rehab-related, um, which, as as we've seen now, the NFL is a lot more lenient on. So I'm not really sure what's what's going on there. But um, didn't have a great time with with the Raiders, the team that, that he was drafted by. I don't think that that culture was necessarily right for him. And he's a guy who, when, when he got released and picked up by the 49ers, was like, thank goodness. Um, so I think that he's a dude who has really appreciated being around this, this defensive line culture. I think it's fun to be a, a defensive lineman with the 49ers. Um, you're, you're given a, a role and you're able to just pin, pin your ears back and get after the passer. Um, and he's a dude, I think that, that you mentioned it. He's six, five and he looks six, five. Um, but he's also when, when he, when he came out of school, he was pretty thin. He's, he's bulked up substantially. Um, and super excited to have a guy who I think he could be a better version of Ronald Blair, um, which is kind of like a low end comp, but a guy who, who comes off the bench, makes a couple wild plays, um, and is potentially able to parlay that into a bigger contract next season, whether it be with the 49ers or maybe a team like, like the Seahawks wants to overpay again. Yeah. I, I was kind of talking about him. It's like, if he looks as good as he looked at, and granted, he's playing against, you know, mostly the second unit of offensive linemen. But the other thing to, to factor in is that in training camp, he's been getting so much praise. And like they've been talking about, like, oh, this guy looks so good. Um, you brought up that, that you know, the Raiders released him. They also released Mo Hurst. And Mo Hurst kind of said the same thing. Or I don't know if they released Mo Hurst, but, you know, he left the Raiders organization, went to the Niners this offseason. Um, and they both kind of said the same thing. Like, we're really happy where we're at. Um, so, you know, really intriguing that this is a guy that, you know, could be a late bloomer. And, and, and he flashes like, like you said, like six, five, looks like he's six, five. He looks like a dude that is a star defensive end. Now he has not played like a star defensive end. I do not expect him to, you know, come out here and, and have like a 10 plus sack season, nothing like that. But as a rotational piece, I think he is excellent for this team. And it's something that 
a lot of teams really lack. A lot of teams really lack, you know, like depth defensive linemen and especially depth edge rushers. And it seems like that might be the 49ers strong, like strongest point right now at this roster. So really excited to see like how he continues to look. Um, but other guy, Jonas Griffith, who I had not heard, heard a lot about, he absolutely flies around from the linebacker spot. Um, they were talking about on the broadcast, D'Amico Ryan's vouched for him last year as a UDFA. And just watching last night, just based off that, because we know the linebacker spot is pretty thin outside of Fred and Trey, he very well could be the backup Mike linebacker. And, and he looks like he's going to make the roster. Um, what, were, what were just your thoughts on seeing him on the field? Because I thought he was everywhere. Like every time a tackle's there, he might not be the first guy, but he's coming in in like that second wave. Um, I mean, you know, Robert Sala's thing was always all gas, no breaks. Well, I mean, this guy, he, he looked like that's how he plays. So I love the way he flew, flew around the football. Um, did you like what you saw out of out of him? Yeah, uh, he he played fast, which is the biggest thing that I like to see. Uh, the Niners picked up Michael Kendricks this morning, um, which is interesting and makes me think he's going to play more of an off-ball role. Um, kind of hurts for a guy like Aziz, um, but he may not even make the roster. But I think that you you bring up a great point about Jonas Griffith. He's a guy who um, I think that you, you mentioned D'Amico went to bat for him. Um, and I think he went to some, some small school, I think Indiana state, um, and really look good. Uh, and he's a guy where, I mean, we, we need more, more depth at linebacker. If, if Fred goes down where we're, we're screwed regardless, but obviously want a guy who can play inside outside. And I think Jonas Griffith is, is a guy who could do that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see you know, how that kind of shapes out. Cause yeah, like you said, Michael Kendricks got signed very early this morning. Um, but I also think that he's more a, a little bit different of a role um, where it does seem like Griffith is kind of, it seems like he's locked into that backup spot, which, I mean, I didn't think that we'd be able to tell that after, you know, this first game. Um, but you, you just see him all over the field. And the reason why I, I mean, I try not to, you know, put too much emphasis on these preseason games, but when you see a guy like that, that is like, exactly what the 49ers like culture and defensive mindset is and he's going out there and he looks you know exactly like what you'd want this guy to do not to mention the defensive coordinator loves him um, and the defensive coordinator is a former middle linebacker so like that's kind of like I feel like that's almost like the writing on the wall of this guy's making the roster and he's going to be Fred's backup uh, another guy I mean we've talked about this guy he's almost like the definition of flying around fl flying around the football hitting guys very hard uh Hufanga. they call him Huff he he is a perfect player. You know, you plug him in on the kickoff team, and he drills the returner. Like he's, they have him at safety. I don't think he's a long term safety, but he's a great football player. He's a very violent football player. When we were talking about him, Aiden, you said every time he hits him, the guy's going backwards. So were were you excited after seeing this guy? You know, comes out of USC. You know, high profile, big name guy that kind of goes later in the draft, but. Were you excited to see him? And, you know, he's a very fun guy to watch. Absolutely. Uh, he was the Pac-12 defensive player of, of the year. And I think that you hit it right on the head. He's not a safety. He's a football player. Uh, he's a guy who, when he got drafted, said he wanted to be a, a, a special teams pro, pro bowler. And we saw that yesterday. Um, made a couple of big special teams tackles. Um, and he can do so many different things. Um, and he's a guy where... I think he could play linebacker. I think he could play safety. He's not an awesome coverage guy, but he's a guy who 
He's he's really just a gamer. I think we saw him struggle at the beginning of, of training camp and in more of a practice setting. But he's a guy that when the pads come on, uh, people have to be flying around. He's a guy who I, I trust to make tackles. Um, and so excited to see what, what he does going forward. I remember you were telling me that he would, like you said, he struggled when it was seven on seven type of practices. And then the very first practice in pads, he told me, oh, guess who was the top performer of the day? And it was Hufanga because, he, you know, he just pumped, just get animated to go out there and, and basically make a lot of contact. Um, but he's a, he's a guy that I think should be expected to, I call him like almost like a gadget defender. I mean, we mostly hear that that term in like on offense where it's like, oh, this guy, you know, they run jet sweeps, they run stuff line of scrimmage, he'll line up in the backfield, uh, almost like, you know, like Cordell Patterson. But he's kind of like that guy for the defensive side of the football. I don't know where he's going to like translate to positionally, but I think that he's a guy you could see just come in and line up, all, you know, third down, he might just be an extra blitzer. You know, you know, he might be sitting in as like a backer or I do think that right now they have him at safety. But like I said, like you saw like his, his coverage skills aren't great and that's why he slid in the draft. But if you use him in a role where it's like, all right, you're just kind of going to be a game wrecker. I think that he could really flourish in that role. And and I think that we saw that in this first game is that he's just all over the field on special teams. And and really, I think what we should all expect from him moving forward is that, you know, just fantastic special teams play. So really hyped about that. Um, final guy, got to bring up, Lenore, Diamador Lenore. Dude looked fantastic. Now, the thing that I think most people are going to talk about is interception. I don't think that's where, like, why he looks so good. I think he looked really good because – he looked really sticky in coverage. Like he's on guys' hips. Um, they threw a wheel route to him and he was just right there. It was not really a window at all. Um, and there was a couple of plays where he's just flying around. Um, there was one play where they threw a ball in the flat. I, I don't remember if it, he was on man on the outside guy or if it was just like a, a cover three, but he flies up and he makes a tackle and they stop him out a yard or two shy. Like he looked pretty solid and, you know, like run support and stuff like that. Um, and I'll say this right now. I think that he should absolutely be the, the 49ers' first corner off the bench. Um, right now, it has been said that Dante Johnson is kind of that fourth corner right now. I think that you got to put Lenore in that spot. And I do kind of – I mean, it's early on in camp, so it's not like that's locked in or anything. But this is a rookie that they really liked, apparently. He's outplaying Ambry Thomas. I mean, without question, early on in camp and, and in uh, yesterday's game, he he's absolutely outplaying Ambry Thomas. And I, I really think that he's a guy that – he could be a starting corner as soon as next season. We see that all of the 49ers corners are once again going to be free agents. He's almost slated to be a 2022 starting corner. And I think that we're I think we're gonna see a lot of Lenore this season. I really expect that. Yeah, I think that he's he's a really, really good player. I'm in a bit of an interesting position with him because as an Oregon football fan for most of my 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 life. Uh, he went to Oregon. I remember watching him him commit. Um, I, I like tuned in and watched the the live stream of of him committing, which is funny to see him now balling out for the 49ers in in the preseason. Uh, but I think you you hit it right on the head. Um, he he had an interception yesterday. Uh, was a good concentration. Was a little bit beat, and it bounced off the guy's hands, but would have been there for a tackle for like a six yard gain. Not not the end of the world. Um, but he's a dude when, when he was at Oregon, also a gamer would come out and, and just make plays, did a bunch of like played some safety, played some corner, did a lot of different things. I think long-term he probably projects as a K1 Williams type guy, but he's, he's playing outside right now and he's playing really, really well, which is really exciting. 
Uh, I didn't expect him to beat out Ambry Thomas this quickly. Um, and I think Ambry Thomas is a little bit more of a project given that he sat out last year. Um, but I mean, it, 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 it boils down to this for me. Dante Johnson has been a member of, of the 49ers like 25 different times. He's been picked up, cut. You know what, what you have. Let's, let's throw the rookie and even, even the second rookie out there to see what you have. Like it's, it's important to roll the dice, especially early. Um, cause I think in these first three weeks, the, the 49ers should think about starting two two and at the very least, um, starting with the lions and then, and then the Eagles, I think those are two winnable games, regardless of, of, of who's playing that fourth corner spot. Um, but if if I was Kyle, I would be saying, let's just see what what we have here. TBD on on if that's going to happen, and that might even defer to a guy like D'Amico Ryan's. But um, Demo looked really good yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. So those were our top performers of of uh, this week one. Hopefully, these guys continue to flash. Hopefully. You know, Ambry Thomas has a little bit of a bounce back game. Um, and, you know, we see some of these other defensive linemen, you know, really play well because that defensive line is looking really scary. Um, and I'll say this Lenore, like him looking really good is huge because that that corner, the overall defensive secondary is by far the uh, the weakest part in the, of the team in terms of depth. Now, they have some really good players, you know, that are starting, Jimmy Ward, Jason Brett, but overall in terms of depth, that's probably where there's the least depth on the whole team. So a guy like Lenore coming out there, balling out, that makes a huge difference. But that's going to do it for this sake. We are going to be talking about the defensive line today. Now, the 49ers defensive line is incredibly deep. Uh, we talked about Arden Key yesterday a little bit. Um, but just getting into this, Aiden, who, who do you think is going to get cut? Because it seems like it's inevitable that a, a, a good player, an NFL player, multiple NFL players are going to get cut from this team. And you start looking at how deep they are. Who do you kind of have making the roster? Who do you, you know, who are you unsure of? Who's on that bubble? Um, but where are you at overall with this defensive line? I, I think that we've talked about it before. Uh, this is a defensive line that is deeper than any I've really ever seen. It's not quite as top heavy as 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 2019. Um, but I mean, when when you have a guy like Maurice Hurst as your maybe fourth defensive tackle, when a lot of reports came out that he could be starting for most teams in the league, that's really really exciting. Um, in terms of who's going to make the roster, obviously Armstead, Ford. Uh, I think Zach Kerr, Kinlaw, Hurst, Jones, uh, Bosa, Arden Key played really, really well yesterday, uh, and we we talked about it. I think he'll he'll make the roster, but that puts some guys squarely on on the bubble. I expected Jordan Willis to make a bigger impact than than he has. He's a guy who's a physical freak, but haven't really seen anything crazy from him. I think he's on the bubble. Um, a guy like Kevin Givens and Contavia Street, both guys who are physical like freaks, um, are also on on the bubble, and they are solid young players. Um, really, don't know how many guys they're they're going to end up keeping, which makes it hard to, um, I guess, choose uh, who's who's going to make the roster or or not. But say they they try to throw Contavia Street on the the, the practice squad. 
we know at least the Saints are are, are going to take a look at, at at picking him up after he broke Drew Brees in half last year. Um, so, like I said, um, this is a really deep defensive line, and excited to see who ends up making this roster because I think it's one of the best um, position groups, regardless of defensive lines, in the entire NFL. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous when you start looking at like how many. Okay. I'll go through it real quick just to kind of see like all right, how many of these guys should make the roster. Um, I think that you probably keep seven, maybe just maybe eight, but it's hard to expect them to, to keep eight defensive linemen. Um, very obviously going to make the a roster. Eric Armstead, D Ford, uh, Javon Kinlad, Nick Bosa. Um, then you have guys. Here's the other like four guys. See, that's the thing. This is like four other guys that I expect to make the roster too. Zach Kerr, Mohurst, DJ Jones, and Arden Key. So that would leave you with eight. And then that would leave out Kevin Givens and Jordan Willis, who were actually very big parts of the defense last year. And then Contavious Street, who's been on the team for a while now. Um, he's looked pretty solid. But it seems like those guys, it seems like it's going to be really tough for them to to make this team. So I don't really know like where it's at because it seemed, I don't know, it, it seems like there's too many, you know, there's not enough roster spots. Um, and there's a very good chance that Kevin Givens or Jordan Willis or Contavious Street, one of those three guys, because that's the, the guys I'm kind of expecting them to cut. It would make sense if they start somewhere else as soon as next year. So, or as soon as this year, I mean, for a different team, like they might be cut and they might start, you know, like week four for another team. Like that, that is feasible to happen. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a defensive line where you have guys that you're cutting that the team's almost expecting will start games for other NFL teams. And it's, I mean, it just shows the depth of this team. Um, we've seen how much the 49ers have prioritized this this depth among the defensive line. I think one of the biggest questions heading into you know this this offseason was how does D Ford look? D Ford looks healthy, and D Ford looks like he's going to be limited to only having to play on third down because of this depth. You know, because Eric Armstead isn't going to have to be forced to you know kick inside as much because they have Mo Herson and DJ Jones and Zach Kerr all as very very good rotational players there, and then. You have an Arden Key and Eric Armstead and then Nick Bosa that can they can all play those defensive edge positions and they can be like in there on, on you know more run, rushing downs opposed to like third and long, you know, third and whatever, where that gives a chance for D4 to play 15, 20 snaps a game. And we've talked about it before. He's not a guy that you look at his productivity as how many snaps he plays. You look at him as like just get him in there on the key downs that you want him to be in there because you see how big of a, of a game changer he is and how big of an impact he has on those passing downs. So it just makes him that much stronger where they're not going to have to rely on him. I mean, they're not even going to have to rely on, on D Ford as much as they did in 2019. Uh, he could probably even play less snaps than that. And and that was like a, oh God, they just signed this guy and extended him for so much money. Like he's not playing. They're not even going to play him as much as that, in my opinion. So it's a, it's a good spot to be in when you start looking at like, it could have got really bad after Buckner left. And they've really covered it up, and it looks a lot better now. And, of course, health is always the, the big thing here. Um, but, Aiden, we were even talking about this a while back. This is one of those spots, too, where we're only talking about the guys that we've seen that we know, and there's very well going to be a practice squad guy that you know this team really likes. Um, we talked about uh, uh, Griffith, um, Jonas Griffith, at linebacker, and he was an undrafted free agent in 2020. And now he looks like he's a, he's a rosterable player. There could easily be a guy that's going to be stashed on this depth chart that could be that guy in 2022. So there's there's probably more talent than we're even kind of counting here. 
Um, but it's it's really exciting. Uh, any anything else you want you want to bring up for this defensive line? Uh, no, I mean I think that we've we've talked about it. This is a a team. This is a defensive line that's deep, that's talented, um, and the guy is going to get left off, and that's a good problem to have. Uh, would would rather cut somebody good than than keep somebody not not quite as good. Um, I don't know specifically what the rules for trading are are right now. But imagine you could flip one of these guys for like a corner. Uh, I don't think that that's off off the table. Um, but I mean, obviously, lot lots to be figured out, um, and somebody is either going to get stuck on the practice squad or cut when they could be playing meaningful snaps uh, for another squad. We're going to be talking about Kayvon Wilson and really, I guess, this battle between uh, him and HaHa Clinton-Dix for this uh, strong safety role. Now, HaHa was signed very, very recently, you know, former first-round pick, ton of talent. Kayvon Wilson has been in the league for a very long time. Um, he's played with the Patriots and the Lions. Those are, like, where he's most known for. Um, but I do expect Tavon Wilson to start week one. I don't know where you're at, Aiden. I think it would be pretty tough for who just came in late last week to kind of take over that spot. Um, and Tavon Wilson also looked pretty good in, in the week one of the preseason game. Uh, we've seen that he's a very sure tackler. Um, and I don't know if you knew this, Aiden, but he's basically started every single position in the secondary. Um, and he's played linebacker in the NFL. In college, he played nickel. He played safety. Um, in the NFL, he's played box safety, free safety, and I said linebacker as well, which is you know a little bit unusual for a guy who's playing nickel corner and and free safety um but he was pretty solid actually at linebacker when he played uh he's a guy that is a very sure tackler and early on not early on but like in camp before before Jaquaski Tart was injured because that's why these guys are competing for the strong safety spot it was actually kind of reported that Tavon Wilson could potentially be the starter just based on on his like how he was performing alone um, which is really unusual for a guy like Kwaski Tart, who they very clearly brought back to be the starting strong safety. It seemed that Tavon Wilson was a, a great fit and a guy that, you know, very, like I said, very sure tackler. He's not going to be like some super flashy player, but he does his job at the strong safety position. And they may have even liked him a little bit more than Tart coming out. So I do expect him to be the starter. But where are you at on this, uh, this I guess, training camp battle, Aiden? Yeah, I'm in agreement with with you. Um I expect Tavon Wilson to start week one. I'd be shocked if, if ha ha comes out and wins, wins the job. But if he ends up doing that, that means that he is better than um, a lot of other teams are looking at him for. I mean, this, this guy's a former pro bowler, went to Alabama, um, was really good for a few years with the Packers. I was surprised that, that he wasn't signed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he signed with the 49ers with the expectation that he might be able to win this this job um, and be and be a part of a defense that we both think is going to be very successful this year. I think for him, he's probably 70% to make the roster, 10% to start, 10 20% to not not make the final roster. Um, I think at the very, very I think the most likely scenario is he's on the roster until Tart comes back. Um I feel like they're almost carrying um, Hufunga as a free safety at, at, at this point, which is interesting. 
Um, you, you would have thought he may have slid into that backup safety role, but I think HaHa can do a bunch of different things. Same as Tavon Wilson, same as Hufunga, same as Jimmy Ward, uh, same as Tart. I think that they like versatility back there. This is a guy who, who brings more of that. Um, and he's got a really fun name. So excited to, um, see him make some plays, uh, and hopefully he can be a good addition. Him and I think Michael Kendricks just got signed this morning, um, two veteran guys who at the very least can bring some leadership for a couple days. Yeah. Both him and Michael Kendricks have also had a lot of success in the NFL as well. Um, and just on, on haha really quick, he was, you know, he was a very good player for a while in the Packers. Um, definitely has the athleticism to be a, I think he's more suited for like that strong safety role. Cause he is a very athletic player. I don't know if he exactly had the instincts in uh, for a free safety. Um, that was just kind of like what I had when I had watched him. That's how I kind of felt. Um, but he's a guy like, like you said, like he's very versatile at the very least. If he, if you have to throw him in at free safety, it's not like it's going to be the end of the world. Like it's, he's a solid safety. It's not like it's going to look like a, a certain game last year against the dolphins. Um, but he's a, he's a guy that, that he might not be, you know, a starter anymore in the NFL, but he's definitely an NFL like rosterable player. The bears in 2019 had him, didn't bring him back. A little bit surprising. He did not play last year. I don't know how much of that was related to COVID, um, but I definitely think that he could be a. And you brought up uh, Hufanga is playing kind of behind that free safety spot. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up backing up both the free safety spot and the strong safety spot. And he's just kind of like that depth piece behind Jimmy Ward and Tavon Wilson um, until Kwaski Tart gets back. But that's kind of where I'm at on him. I I'm expecting him to make the roster. I think you're 70 10. 20% breakdown of like where he'll be is pretty accurate. Uh, but anything else you, you want to add on, on these two guys? Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to see them battle that out uh, and may the best safety win, win the job. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's segment and today's podcast episode as well. So thank you all for listening.